When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yo, I told you we were coming right back at you with another episode on the House of L podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out. I am Lawrence Holmes. A little bit of a different episode today, but one that fits into exactly what we wanted House of L to be when we first started this thing a little over three years ago. We wanted to talk about media and we want to talk about life inside of media to a certain extent and that's what this episode is all about hang on let me close the door yeah there we go so i want to give you the background on this before we get into the conversation and i want to try to get into the conversation as quickly as possible because it's really good and i think that i think that you'll enjoy the insight of Layla Rahimi on a bunch of different subjects that we talk about. But the impetus for us to talk was she had reminded me that it was a year ago that we got laid off at NBC Sports Chicago. It was because of everything else that was going on, you just kind of, or at least I shouldn't, make this universal I should say what it was for me because of everything else that was going on I was just kind of in oh okay let's just get through it let's just get back to doing radio and let's not worry about it too much and you had a good run and I honestly was a little surprised with how I reacted to it because there wasn't really anything that one could do. The circumstances were such that there's no backseas, you know, <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't they're gonna be like, no, we made a terrible clerical error and you're gonna stick around and, and do your bear show. I talked about it, if you scroll back through like right after it happened, I did an episode talking about my experience there and I loved it. And I won't go too much back into that because there's an episode of that that if you really want that part of the story you can have it this is what happens afterwards this is 
with some time and some reflection on how I felt and how Layla felt. Um, and, you know, I, I say in here when Layla and I are talking that it's like we were in the lifeboat together on this because it, it happened to us and it's probably easier for us to relate to each other because we're both, and I'm using air quotes, talent. Um, and, you know, we both care about the industry quite a bit. So we, we have been, I think, we have been really good for each other to talk about, like, some of that feeling of loss. And so she's, she was like, why don't, instead of us having this conversation on the phone, which happened a lot, why don't we put one of our conversations about this on the podcast? And I said, not a bad idea. There's also some other stuff, like, everything kind of leads into everything. And it, it leads into a great conversation with Layla talking about her new gig and how how that's different in the adjustments that she's making every day to be on radio. Again, these are things that we talk about as colleagues often, but maybe we don't let people in to it. So this is very raw stuff that you're going to hear. You're going to hear two people that were that were very emotional about their time working at a place and what it's like when there's nothing you can do. And in my case, like I lost my dream job. Luckily, I had another one. So that's good. But I finally I had finally gotten the TV job that I wanted. The radio job, like I've had the radio job I've wanted for forever. But I finally got the TV job where it felt like a fit, like it felt like this was where I was supposed to be. And circumstances beyond my control led to them making decisions. And it's what happens after that. So I hope that you get something out of it. My hope is that even though we're talking specifically about us, and I grant you that it's a bit self-indulgent, that you might be able to get something out of it. But this is two friends, two colleagues, two people in a lifeboat talking about what the last year has been like. When you have your dream job and you lose it, it's me and Layla Rahimi on House of L. For some reason, I was in a weird mood this weekend. And maybe it's because I didn't go to Lala, but I know the streets said differently according to the internets. The webs were saying that you were out in these Lala streets, but yeah. you were not. No, there's a lot of women with a tan and dark long hair. It could have been one of them. Could have been one of the hundreds of thousands of people. It was not me. So I was like, why am I in this wonky mood? I don't think not going to Lala is enough of it. And then I realized sometimes we don't pay attention enough to bad anniversaries and good anniversaries and what the differences are. I'm not a big anniversary person in general, except for like sports anniversaries. I feel like those are fun because we get to look back. You can lean into those. But when it comes to personal stuff, 
I used to measure time by the anniversary of the first job that I got full time on air in television. And it wasn't on air. It was anything but. You and I have talked about it on House of L. It was my job in East Texas where I was a mostly photog guest booker, producer, reported finally like four months into my job, and that wasn't really the case. So um, this one this one hit a little bit because it's been a year since I've done any work for TV. I've appeared in segments here and there, but like had a hosting gig or something like that. It's been a year. I... I know exactly where I was. I was sitting on the chaise looking out on 63rd Street when I got the call about it. And I think my initial reaction was was more clinical than I would have expected. Like, I looked at it from the perspective of, of NBC, and I said, I get it. You know, like, I, I kind of felt... I don't want to say that I felt expendable, but I understood since at the time we weren't in football season, if it would have been during football season, for me, it would have hit harder because of how much that show meant to me. But I kind of looked at it as, okay, that seems to make sense. Like all of that seems to check out. We had talked about it though. And we, we continue to talk about it like over the last year it's I'm having a hard time a harder time with it now than I did then if that makes sense oh yeah because then you're just in damage control mode survival mode then I was just thinking can I get on the phone with my lawyer quick enough can I get on the phone with the people I respect in the industry who are in management positions, who don't employ me, who can tell me what I need to be asking. Can I get video material so I can put a resume together? Mm -hmm. Because nobody was in the building except for doing shows. And at that point, I had only been in the building a week and a half, maybe two or three, I think. I want to say two because we were doing rehearsals for the new set. And I didn't have anything prepared because... I did not think that day was coming that quickly and had every reason to not think that day was coming that quickly. And it was a matter of logistics at that time, but now in the year since, it's just been surprising. And when I say I haven't done TV work, I mean like reporting, hosting. I've done segments here and there, and I appreciate those. But in our space as to what we did, I never thought it would be a year. I was talking to someone about this. It may have even been Jay Illa. Like we were discussing all sorts of stuff. And I was saying how th- that job, I didn't know that it was my dream job. And it's weird because when you're younger and you start planning out, making the grand plans about what your career is going to be, I, I don't even know if I could have imagined doing something like that when I was 25, 27, 30. And then you're in it and it's just the amount of joy that I got from doing that show. And it was hard because those days, football days are long. I was used to it from covering, but then you add in the TV element of it, of it's be there before the game to do your pregame show. 
that we would often do online. Get your suit right. Mm -hmm. Get your look right. Get the powder on. All of that stuff. Then watch the game. Then taking mental notes to to ask the guys that I work with all the things that are significant in the game. And then the post game. And then the podcast. We used to do our podcast like right after. Yep. So, I mean, it would be, you know, we talk probably 11-hour days a lot of times. And the night games were were bad. But I had so much fun doing it. And I knew that it would be good. Like, I knew when they approached me to do it, I knew it would be good. I didn't think that I would care about it in the same way that I care about radio. Because radio has always been home base for me. So I, I didn't know that an opportunity on TV could feel the same or elicit the same type of feelings as I get from turning the mic on to do the radio show. And I think for me, it was the opposite. Like for me, radio was always something where it was my side gig, but not the main gig, something I wanted to improve at. But I felt like after moving, and for those who don't know, I'll just give you from the start of 2012. That doesn't include the three TV markets before that. From 12 to the end of 15, I started in Austin, went to San Diego, went to Houston, went to Philly, went to here. That is a lot on anybody. You're not supposed to move that much. But we play the hands we're dealt. And unfortunately, I, I knew I had to play the hand I was dealt in that moment, too. And I, I think everybody knew how much I loved my job. Like, I felt like there had been all these different shows that I had been a part of, but... The baseball night in Chicago plus White Sox pre and post game and the Chicago Bulls to me was the ideal combo. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know that people know this, but I, all those times I've moved and I think I'm up to 15 now, I have carried certain things with me and you got to really care about that stuff if you're going to move it that much. I have vintage Jordan SI issues from the 90s that I saved when I was a kid. And I had no idea that I would ever end up working here. I will never forget the first time I heard the Alan Parsons Project. And I, and I looked down at the court and it says Chicago Bulls. And I look up at the huge, huge arena that is the Madhouse on Madison. And man, it, it just hit me. And even being able to work with like Ozzy Guillen, who I was sent to ask a question one time on one of my other baseball jobs as a form of like happy hazing. And it went well. But, like, the persona that he had, and then to work with Frank and Doug Glanville and Bill Melton and you guys, you, Lance, like, all these great, great people in our business, not to mention everybody on air there. It, it just felt, I don't know, I just felt like for the first time in my career those last three years, I was in a really sweet spot. I've been trying to work through the idea of, our business is often a place where you go, okay, you, you dust yourself off, you get back up. You know, I know, I'm sure that I've had this, given you this same exact pep talk about you know, moving and transitioning into radio. A few times. And, and I'm, I'm just wondering, is it allowed, like, should you live in the space of the hurt or – I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. I'm good at, like, I'm going to put this in a box and I'm going to put the box over here with all sorts of stuff. 
And I'm wondering, is that the right approach to it? Or do you cheat yourself by not leaning into the things that kind of hurt? I don't know if there's an answer for that. It's just something that's been swimming around inside my head. The professionals tell me grieving is personal. And unfortunately for us, I think people are going to say we're being dramatic. But given what we give up for these jobs, there's a reason it's dramatic. I just told you how many times I moved over a three and a half year span. You have to create a new life every single time. It is not easy to do. Not to mention the fact that I see my mom once or twice a year. Right. And in this case, it was once in a year and a half. And my dad, once or twice a year, maybe. And so we choose that job, but at some point you're also a human being. And if there was ever a reminder of that, it was last year. And that was probably the hardest part, too, is I called my mom and she and I were talking and she said, I wish I could hug you right now. Mm. And we couldn't. It's... That was frustrating for sure. Like not having the same type of level of human contact with people and trying to figure out. And I I would hope that this is universal because there are a lot of people who were displaced job-wise over the last 18 months. But not being able to, as, as you said, like kind of mourn it in a proper way. And, and I... I still go back to that idea of like the the Puritan like work ethic thing and the stiff upper lip and all of that where you're you are hurting inside because something that you cared about is gone, but you still have to eat. So, you know, our business, we are out front. And that means sometimes you have to put on a smile when you don't necessarily feel like it. And there was no better example of that than the next day. I barely got off the phone with my mom. I hadn't even told my dad I got laid off because I was still trying to get my legal affairs in order Mm -hmm. because that piece of it does actually matter when you're talking about people have contracts with places. And I hadn't told my friends. And then I start getting my phone blowing up because somehow the Chicago Tribune had gotten hold of it. And there's nothing like, I'd been through this in Houston where people are going to say, well, you were bad. You should have been fired anyway. You sound like a woman trying to sound like a man. You know, whatever else. Oh, yeah. You always remember the notable crazies while you're being kicked in the teeth. Hmm. Or like, the day I got laid off in Houston, I was on the air that day. And our game was on MLB Network. I was filling in for Julia Morales, the regular reporter who ended up not getting laid off. And Julia and I have been friends forever. It wasn't personal. But, like, here I am having to be at a pretty front and center game because it was the day that Jose Altuve broke the franchise single season hit record. So, like, I don't get to absorb any of that. I'm dealing with it real time on TV that I was getting laid off in Houston. We had a little more runway. We kind of knew at that point that things were going to happen. It didn't make it any easier. And I remember as I was walking to do a hit somewhere in the ballpark, Some guy goes, boo, CSN Houston. And it had been in the paper. It was already published in the paper. So I just go, I got laid off today. Are you happier now? And he just, like, looked at me. And I'm like, oh, did you not expect that answer? Are you glad I got fired? Wow. 
So then that kind of prepared me for what happened on what was that, August 4th of 2020, the Tribune breaking the information. You know, control what you can. Put out something because the narrative is going to grab you if you don't say anything. And all I wanted to do that day was, like, go to CVS. Mm. So I tweeted that. I was like, I just wanted to go to CVS today. And at least Phil Rosenthal got my joke. But I do wish I had been able to keep that information to myself to at least be able to tell my friends. Because they shouldn't have had to read about it before I talked to them. I agree with that. How much of... How much of what it is that we do do you think is tied into who you are? And I know that most people will say you should have a, a, a healthy distance between what you do and who you are. But considering these types of jobs, there's the connective tissue that if, if you aren't giving a little bit of yourself, it comes off as fake and phony. So it might feel more personal when you're let go from a place because it feels like a rejection of you, not a rejection of your work necessarily. And in, so, in, in our case, it wasn't even our work. Yeah, that's true. It but, had nothing to do with the work. But you, you can't tell a rational person that. That's not how it works. Who, who is that smooth? Who is that smooth who can compartmentalize it to that extent and be like, yeah, this this had nothing to do with me. It's fine. Teach me your ways because that is not me. I can't do that. It's personal because it's happening to you. I don't understand why people say that kind of stuff. Oh, it's not personal. Yes, it is. <laughs> they made a decision. Your name was on that decision. That happened to you. It happened to me. And it happened to a lot of other people that we couldn't make sense of. Mm -hmm. And I still don't think I can make sense of it all. Was I prepared for the outpouring of support that day? No. It's nice when people want to help and they want to lend their support. I had no idea how many people even cared I just didn't, I had no idea. And to me, that's always the greatest thing about Chicago. Like, you, the city's beautiful. It's nice and big. There's a lot of things to do here. But the people and how giving everybody is, is far and away the greatest quality about living here. That you can say to somebody, I would like to do this, meet these people, do this thing. And they're going to find a way for you to do it. That includes you. Thanks. And, and it also included my former employer, without a doubt. Well, I, will, I think that for me, all of this would have been tragic, relatively speaking, had I not been at the score like if I didn't for a couple of reasons one like oh you still have a job and two the outlet of it now that's why I ask you about like the the frontward facing aspect because I had to walk into text messages and tweets from people as the show's getting started 
and people doing it in a very well-meaning way. I'm sorry that this happened. I loved what you did on that show, blah, 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 blah. I heard Bomani talking about this on one of his latest episodes of the podcast where he was talking about dreaming of having that show that he and Pablo had and it getting canceled. I loved that show. And he he said, like, it's a real burn to your ego because of it, it feels like you're, you yourself are getting canceled, not just your show. And I for a few days, like, I had to relive it. You know, like, you're reliving it. You're like, okay, like, you're talking to people. You're, people are checking on you. They're making sure that you're okay, which is exactly what you want. You want support from people but it almost doesn't give you enough time to work through like some feelings like no. some hurt about it no yeah there, there was no time as crazy as that sounds I completely agree it's hard like it, it was really hard to and even now like occasionally I'll run into someone or uh, I, I met someone and a friend had introduced me as you know Oh, you know him. He does the bear show, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't do that uh, anymore. Yeah, people still ask me if I'm on TV, and I'm just like, yeah, like I don't. There's no point. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's it's like you don't. They don't know, and like they know they know you. Yeah, I get that piece of it. How do you? How have you dealt with this? Like, what do what do you think? If what are the positive ways in which you think you've dealt with this? Well, I definitely cried on my friend's couch for a while. Like Alyssa Lalagos, and I've talked about her. People, I think people know we're close friends. She was. She also used to work at NBC Sports Chicago. Yep, she and, used to try to make me look beautiful. <laughs> and Ozzy, and you know, it it was always fun to to see her every day, and she was a wonderful friend and. I cried on her couch. I cried on multiple other people's couches. I'm pretty sure I cried talking to you about it. Uh, and then I had friends who I'd worked with at that point in the NBC system for almost 10 years, and we had gotten laid off across the country, friends who I had gotten laid off with in Houston. So I was on the phone with them a lot, and that's that's the blessing and the curse to moving as much as I have mm -hmm. is – it's wonderful. I can go to a city and there's somebody I will know. And that, that to me as an extrovert and like as a person who loves people, that's the best thing. But the other sad part about it is you can't like your nucleus isn't isn't here. You know, it is, but your your nucleus is scattered across the country. Like one of the people I talked to the most was Kelly Johnson, who I consider a mentor. And she was hosting Giants pre and post at the time, and she was in Houston when I was, and has been a great inspiration for me and, like, just somebody I can talk to. And then uh, previously Michelle Murray, too, who was the head of content in Philadelphia. And to have, like, strong women who understand what you're going through in the company, that really meant a lot. But the three of us are not in the business with NBC anymore. All three of us were laid off over the course of a six-month period of time. No, four-month period of time. I have to admit something that inside of all of this, I've been a little gun shy about doing television. I'm not saying that like people are beating down my door like, Lawrence, please come do a television show. But I kept got getting asked to 
to come on and talk about this or that or guess. And I had to kind of say, I am not in the right place to do TV. Like the, I did the quiz show with Jeffrey Bear, which was so much fun. And I had a wonderful time. And it was completely different from what we're used to doing as hosts and anchors and things of that nature. But I found myself shying away from the experience. Now, I'm, that's going to change. Like, I got asked to do some TV over the next few weeks, and I'm looking forward to to doing it. But it was very— We love to hear it. Yeah, it's, but it's very specific, like, what I would say yes to. And I feel bad because I do think that there are people like, oh, well, you used to come on all the time. And and dealing with the, I guess the word that I'm looking for, even though it wasn't this, like this is this is the uh, the mind fuck of it. It's rejection without being rejected. Yep. And I'm like, okay, like how do you? It's rejection without jettison. Yeah. Like. Dan Bernstein vocab. You know, I coming at you. Th- there, there's a there's a bunch of people that I still talk to, like our bosses that used to be oh, our bosses there. I still have great relationships with them. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Right. They're the reason I got good at my job. Right. And so you, it, it's weird because you're like, if things were going in a really good direction, then they're not. And like, how do you? How do you handle that? And I think that that's, I don't think either of us have necessarily the answer to it. It's just what what we've been walking through over the last year. No, and I think I see where you were, I can see where that is a sacred ground for you and where you didn't want to share that that part of you with other people, as cheesy as that sounds, like we make it sound like you are doing the performance of your life. <laughs> but I I see where that's something where you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not dating this girl again for a while. That kind of attitude about it where you have to be protective. It's like, it's like they say in the song, right? International Players Anthem. Keep your heart, three stacks. And so when it comes to that, you were doing just that. You were protecting your space. And I kind of dove back into radio. Like, I dove back into it. Not Creative that I, outlet. Yeah, it, and, and I think some, some good things creatively have actually come from, from that. And it's been cool. It's just there are times I think about it. Like, I have this awesome cap that Laura Britt gave me. Laura Britt does pre and post for NBC Bay Area for Giants and A's, and we used to work together. So I've been... Wonderfully talented, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And so I've been through, like, when Stadium kind of collapsed and now it's rebuilt back up, like, we were casualties of that. Stadium collapsed and then was rebuilt... The network. The network, yes. Not, not, not an actual stadium. Yes, not an actual place. Let's just clarify. So she and I kind of went through that together, and we saw each other. We saw each other at the Super Bowl, and she was there covering the 49ers, and I was there because we were there were a lot of Chicago stories. And she gave me a cap. NBC Bay Area had these sweet ass. NBC Peacock logo caps. They always got the best freaking swag. They do. And and so 
I'm like, man, I love this cap. And it was given to me from a, a friend and ally. If I wear it, because I occasionally like to wear caps on the air. If I wear it on the radio show, people are going to be like, well, what does that mean? Like, I, I, I'm like, you do have I have to, to put that? You have to think about it. Yeah. You have to stop yourself. You right. can't wear things you enjoy because there's some message behind it. Right. Like, do I have to put that cap away? I, I mean, it's a dope ad. Like, it's really, like, it, I want to say it's like the 66 NBC Peacock logo. Cool. It's really dope. And I think I've seen it actually. I think I've seen that hat because I think one of my other friends had that hat too. It's great. And but I think about that. I'm like, I don't work there anymore. So can I can I casually wear this cap? It's so stupid. No, it's not. I think the only reason why I knew how to deal with it better was because I got laid off so publicly before. Mm. And so I was like, well. Here we go again. I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it did. That's what you get for being happy. I remember you putting a post out on the gram. It may have been you and Lala. Oh, oh yeah, because I wasn't. I didn't post anything on Instagram for a while. I was like very in my feelings about it all. And frankly, I was working the phones like Ari Gold. <laughs> like I like had. <laughs> I like, I had, a, you know me, I had a plan. I was like, I'm calling these people, then I'm calling these people, then I'm doing this, then I'm interviewing these guys because I need an agent, I'm going to get all this information, then we're going to collect more information. Like, I just threw myself into trying to do all that. And um, a couple other things that I did that I want to share as like a special piece of this podcast later, like lessons I've learned that I feel like do help. One of the things I also did was I wanted to get better in investing what money I had left. And I was saving for a house because I thought that I had finally found some stability and I wanted to buy a house. I don't know what kind of house. Um, but I hadn't had that in my life. Mm. And uh, so I was like, I need to learn what to do with this in the meantime. So uh, I was taking webinars through a, uh, a like YouTube outlet called the Financial Diets, like further learn how to invest money and just like try to do something that I could control and learn something in the meantime to like get better at this. That is not me asking for help. Fortunately, I got a handle on it pretty quickly. But the point being, control your space with things that you can do for yourself to make you feel like you're doing something productive for you. Self investment, self care. You know? That's a really good tip. What else do you think? What else do you think since, you know, we on House of L, like we were talking about stuff that like real life stuff that goes on in the business. I want to go back to what you were saying about getting on the phone with people. How would you suggest that if someone goes through this, that they try to put the business of Layla Co. or Lawrence Co.? How do you manage the business of that? In the immediate aftermath. Well, keep in mind, I think a big piece of this is you know this because you were we started doing segments at the score together. And that was the first that like the score audience met me. And that turned into me co-hosting with Danny a couple of days, me mm -hmm. co-hosting with David Hall a couple of days, me doing extended segments with you. Me calling in to do quarantine confessions as I'm, like, cleaning out my DVDs out of my apartment. Do I still have some of those DVDs? Most of them. <laughs> have I watched them? No. But they're there and I need them, okay? So, 
I knew that at some point, unfortunately, as a woman in television, you were on borrowed time. As a woman in sports television, it's even worse. I haven't even, like, I have not had, I'm too cheap for Botox. I'm going to get it probably this year. But I've been, like, putting it off. And I say this both as a joke, but, like, to also illustrate, this is the pressure we are always under as women. Our weight, our height, our hair, our face, other people's faces. Be compared to them, etc. You know that you're always constantly having that happen. And if it's not by your boss, it's somebody else's. Hmm. I'm not saying that was the case at NBC at all. They haven't hired anybody yet. Right. But you just know that that is pervasive in the industry. You hear stories. You you see it happen to people. You always know that at some point your time is up. Did I think it was going to be before the age of 40? No. Did I have a choice in the matter? No. But I always knew that I wanted to diversify my portfolio. And I, I knew that I had a radio background, but I hadn't really done it much. So I started doing stuff at the score. And then, lo and behold, look what happened. The... The side hustle became the main hustle. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly because I've been preparing for this, whether or not I wanted to. And I don't know if that means I spoke it into existence or if I was smart or if, like, sometimes things just turn out a certain way. But, like, that was hard, too, by the way. Like, I 10 days after I did my last show at NBC, I was back co-hosting with David Haw. And then we started doing the weekly segment. And that came up during a pretty tumultuous time here at The Score. Yes. People thought that somehow in less than 24 hours, they fired Dan McNeil and brought me on as a regular person. No, that is not what happened. There was no, the role of Dan McNeil will now be played by Leila Rahimi. That's not what occurred. That was in the works for a little bit for me to be on weekly. Did I know it was going to turn into this? No. Not at the time. I just knew that I wanted to contribute and I had the time to do so. But because of that space, I got to get over it in the best positive way. We started to promote more people. I started to get more guests on. Like Maddie Lee became a common guest on the score. Like Cam Ellis, Rob Schaefer, other NBC writers that I thought were doing great work. We t- I talked about the product on the air. It was the most positive way To move forward, Mm -hmm. to love watching a broadcast that I thought I would have had so much fun on with Adam and Mean and Stacey King. Like, I still enjoyed it. I was still happy to see Jason Goff. I was still happy to see everybody working. And then I got to talk about it on the radio the next day. And again, learn a new skill. By the way, I don't know if I told you this. I mean, it's already in the can. It'll be probably the next... House of what I call House of L actual, like the episodes that I do on House of L. Ah, um, because there's layers to this onion. There, there are. Um, Mark Brady. Yes, it's done. Done. We talked for an hour. One of the most interesting people that has shaped Chicago sports media. Yep, that you don't know has shaped Chicago sports media, and. One of the best people I can think of. I 100% agree. And so I think people are going to enjoy the episode for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to people hearing it because it's very different from what what we ordinarily do. I'm so glad that he actually agreed to. Me too. Share his greatness. He's got people. some incredible stories. Incredible stories. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, do you, two things. I know this is going to be a long episode. I'm like, no, no, the we're, over. We're, we're good. We're good on time. I we're don't good. even care. Like I said, we should do this. And I, I think we should do this. Do you think, do you want to do TV again? Yes. Okay. So that's part of the game plan. Yes. That's no secret. Okay. I was just wanted to clarify. Do you think that you will ever get over the hurt of this because when i hear you talking about like what you're doing is something what you're talking about is something that people don't ordinarily do in our business when they travel my situation is different i grew up here i have a home here considering that you were this close to laying down roots in chicago is there any part of you that's like, I don't know if I want to do that? Like, not lay down roots, but I I want to invest in the next television job that comes along. I don't know. I think it's a case-by-case basis. I ideally, I don't want to move, but it's a special slap in the face when there's nothing keeping you anywhere. This isn't the life that I wanted to lead at this age. That's it. And definitely, it's it's born of the business. But, mm-hmm. but because I chose a job and a line of work, I'm damned to that life. That, that shouldn't be how it is. It's not like I'm a traveling prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> and even they deserve love, too, while we're at it. Shout out to the sex workers. But you know what I'm trying to say. Like, oh, I deserve this because this is, it's like, I'm not, I'm not a mercenary. I'm not an FBI agent. Like, I don't deserve a life of solitude because I work nights and weekends and I work in sports. And holidays. Right. And I've had to move so many times during years where usually people are trying to set roots down. But we play the hands we are dealt. I like it here. I think that shows I've very much had to learn how to do this job. And it I'm not wired for the abuse that I get from it. And there are definitely days, and I know I've talked to you about it, where you have to ask yourself, what is it worth? And and then people will say, Well, if you can't handle it, handle what? We're talking about sports. Right. No, my job does not necessitate the treatment you give me. That is on you. 
you're miserable inside and you want to take it out on people, what the hell's going on in your life? I always struggle on what to tell people when this comes up um, because person to person, it's different on what your response is to negative feedback. And, and there's not a catch-all solution for people in dealing with it. And I'm not talking about the fun stuff like you had a really bad take that was really dumb. Like, okay, yeah, I, that's going to happen. I'm talking about the people who think, like, I did anything to get on and, like, Dan Bernstein writes my paychecks and, you know, what people did years ago that had nothing to me I have to pay the price for and that lowers the opinion of me to them. No. What? No. I'm not going to sit here and be punished for somebody else's behavior that had nothing to do with me, nor am I going to be held accountable. And and this has nothing to do with whether or not I took a job. Right. It's very, in like, Part of the, the the part of the business is the fact the fact that you do have you want to connect with the people that you're that listen to you. Yes, of course. You want to connect with them. That means that they connect with you too. And there used to be a little bit more of a buffer between the negative feedback that you were getting and but now part of the ways that we connect with audiences have to do with immediate feedback and it being available. So so if you're sitting there listening, going like, what are you guys talking about? Like inside our shows, there's stuff that's built in. Like we literally have a screen that is scrolling in real time as we're talking and people are allowed to text in their opinions of of whatever. It's It's hard to navigate. It's hard to sometimes... Like they're definitely I am I am wired to to fight. That is often my response is fight. Obviously mine too. So you have to figure out like there are some days though when you're like, I don't like I don't want to do this. I like, don't like being this defensive. Correct. I don't enjoy it. I know that's hard for people to probably believe, but it's the truth. And it's exhausting. I can imagine. And for everybody who says, oh, well, you shouldn't do this job then. Mm. Thanks, random man. Your opinion is noted. And I go over it every day. I ask myself those questions because it is my job and it is you who are listening and your time is valuable, whether or not you think I think that. And then there's the constant, well, you're not qualified. What in the holy F are y'all talking about? I've worked at multiple national jobs. I've been in this market for five years before I decided to do radio. The other radio station I worked at on a regular basis wins Marconi for best station of the year. What do you mean I'm not qualified? Oh, that's right. I'm a woman. And a tan one at that. And that's a problem for you. And that's it, too. I'm not what a lot of those people need me to be. Because I'm not what they need me to be. Do you think that you found yourself on the air? Like, you, you, Have you had enough reps where you feel comfortable with who you are? No, because I, uh, I think that takes a really long time. Most of it right now is just me learning Dan's cues and, like, what, you know, what things as a show we want to do together. And um, that's why I like, like doing transition because different combinations of people result in different discussions mm-hmm. and how you put them together. Uh, 
I am very thankful for for the canvas that I've been given. The awesome thing about Dan is I think he leans into a lot of the story ideas I have, and I really appreciate that. And and bringing out a side of somebody that I think a lot of people forget about for some reason that isn't good, like Dan doing impressions and having more fun and us laughing about stupid stuff all the time. Like, that's that's the best part of this. Mm-hmm. And Dan is a big proponent of this, and Carrie Fisher said it best, like, take your broken heart and turn it into art. And so I, I never said I was going to be perfect, but I'm trying, and it's fun when everybody contributes. Like, that's the best, when everybody's having fun on the text line and the Twitch comments are hilarious and people t- chime in on Twitter and everybody's laughing together. That's the best part of this job. It's so great when you fall into that nexus of everyone's in on it. Like yes. everyone's like everyone's having a good time and everyone's sharing in the moment and it it isn't it isn't confrontational. No, sports like, radio. It's just like collective type stuff. Yes, and I'm going to be way off on stuff sometimes. That happens. Like I understand. I like to say like fight fans want to fight about fighting. Mm. When it comes like UFC boxing, like fight fans want to fight about fighting. Opinion fans have opinions about opinions. And all of that is fine. But like the people who get mad that I don't tweet controversial information anymore, like all the all your other co-hosts tweet opinions. You're getting paid to do this. No, I'm not. I'm not getting paid to tweet. No. I have three hours a day where I can talk about stuff now. It's funny that like you- you're just hating on me for stupid reasons, which is fine. But like you're going to always find something. I've that you hit on something, Layla. Like, like I'm not, I'm not on demand for you. That's the thing. But you know, how dare I get this radio job? There are times when, how are my clothes even on right now? Clearly I must've gotten it for some other reason. Cause I'm not qualified. <laughs> I mean, you don't understand how dumb sometimes people sound when they say this stuff. When it comes to Twitter, and our jobs and whatever people want to deem like the responsibility of the host when it comes to social. I Wright Thompson talked about Twitter, talked about how Twitter will get you fired and it's not even <laughs> worth it, you know, like and I, I think about that. Because yeah, I I've definitely mellowed. I, I would I always knew that I was being watched on Twitter because sure. But what I find fascinating is I do have a talk show that if I do want to go into more depth on a subject, why throw it out on Twitter when I can, I can use an older version of communication to illustrate exactly what I mean on a subject instead of it having to be pieced together. Sure. And there are times where I use Twitter to take notes hundred percent. There are times when I use Twitter as a sing-along. There are times where I will make an example out of people and clap back because they're being ridiculous. It just depends on the mood I'm in that day. Mm-hmm. But I do find it funny because it's it's pretty obvious. Like, some people are going to hate you no matter what. Some people hate Lawrence. Some people hate Danny. Some people hate me. People obviously hate Dan. Dan jokes about it. But that's Dan doesn't mind being the villain. And I He really doesn't. Out of all the things that I've learned from Dan, and there are a million, like I'll 
I could do a show with Dan for 30 years, and I'm not going to learn everything that I should from him. Uh, you just have to accept that, you know, but it's funny to see the excuses they come up with as to why. Oh, well, you know, you don't tweet opinions or, oh, well, you sound a certain way. Like when it's the voice or they have a problem with my laughing, it's like, all right. People you don't, don't like, like women. You have small energy. Just say it already. We get it. Or like somebody asking me the other day to for you to unblock them. I'm not going to do that. Nope. You did something to cause that. That's on you. That is uh that is my least favorite thing. Like oh, how like how dare Lawrence block me? No. There's a reason. There's a reason. And it, and what like what do you think I'm the mom of the station? Like you can ask me and I'll just fix it? Yeah. It's not going to get fixed. I don't even know that people care about us talking about all of this. They but. might not. They might not, but I'm glad that we're doing it because, you know, that, fr- friends should do stuff like this more. Yes, and that is the part of the new job that is that takes the most toll. Because it wasn't like that in television. And frankly, I didn't think, like, I had way more years of experience in TV. Mm-hmm. I know how to do that job really well. I didn't know how to do this one. But like I think the, you do this one really well. But the trolls who just like want to hate, it's just like, I'm sorry I'm not a white guy who's typical for you. Like, actually, no, I'm not sorry. But clearly you need something in somebody. Like, why do you need that person so much? Is it worse than you thought it would be? Yes and no. It's just, uh, the problem is, the other thing that I did when I got laid off was I started going to therapy once a week. Okay. Because I needed to. I'd, like, put it off. And if you have any empathy, you start to wonder what makes people say the things they say. So then you want to know why. Or, like, what's going on? You know, like, you just want to know why this person's saying this. So you think about it. And, like... Because you're always trying to learn about people. And, um, you know, it's just that part of it has I've given more thought to than I should. But it, it like once again, it's just this is not how I'm wired. Some of us aren't wired to withstand this. That's very true. I don't know. Um, I think that I think that you're more wired than you give yourself credit. But you shouldn't have to like that's that's the problem like there's an element of that in every single job like where people think your job allows me to treat you this way no 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 you decide how you you decide how you're going to treat somebody and if you think i'm crying i don't care i always think that it's funny when people like oh i touched the nerves like that's exactly what you intended to do was touching her. Why, that's why, why? you. That's like, why you reached out. But like, why are you so obsessed? Like, I just don't get it. And I don't know. I've gotten to the point where, too, I think like there's two types of people: there's creators and haters. Hmm. And that's every, a good album title. Everybody has a creative outlet. Everyone. It's just a matter of what that creativity is being expressed through. And then there's the people who aren't being creative. They just want to knock on everybody else who is. Something tells me they would be best served creating something, too.
There's a lot of joy in the creativity part of it. Renee Brown talks about that. One of my homework assignments was to read The Gifts of Imperfection. And she talked about how everybody is a perfectionist to a certain extent. And everybody is creative to a certain extent. It's just a matter of how they're using it. But everybody needs to. Do you think that you've... Do you think that you've been able to clear some space by being a woman of color working in a market this big in this particular industry? I like that to most people it's not a thing. Like, take take all of what I just said out of it. Take, like, the, the what we say, 20%. Of the people I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The, the larger scope, the 80% who don't care. I I like that the I like that the 80% doesn't care. Now, granted, my experience being a Persian woman is going to be different from a black woman or from a woman who's Indian or various like I'm I'm never gonna claim I understand that life. That's not that's not just. Uh there are a certain subset of people, I think, who specifically hate on Middle Eastern people. Sure. But that's just racism and prejudice. That's not that that shows in all forms. Uh, I like the fact that, once again, we can laugh about things in a way where everybody's laughing. Like, I can make the joke about the invasive snakes and say you don't want to receive pictures, and there's a population of the listenership that appreciates that and can laugh at that joke. And then we can all laugh about it together. Like, that, that is fun. Or, like, there was a moment on Molly and Ha during transition where I talked about why I didn't like how women were portrayed in the newsroom, the TV show. Oh. oh we should talk about this. Now and that I, I don't... It. Yeah, I, uh, I just think they were portrayed as being largely neurotic and that's not how we are and hopefully you know sitting in the space with me for three hours a day kind of gives you an indication that we're not all the same i gotta tell you i thought the first three episodes of that show were incredible and then after that i'm like oh you guys took the easy way out it's just the very fanciful sorkin dialogue that I think definitely had its era, but I don't know that it plays as well now. You know that Reese Witherspoon sold her company for $900 million? Like her production company? If there's one person who needed more money, man, it was definitely (laughs) Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But the idea being like women know women a little bit better than men's construct of women. And same, same can be said for, I feel like a lot of times... You know, the way men are portrayed on certain shows, it's it's not always accurate either. Thomas Jones, the former Bears running back, he's now an actor. He's been doing a lot of cool stuff, and he actually has a new show out on Bounce TV. And he's been chronicling this, like how the show came about. And he was talking about how he's always felt that black men in particular, like the way that they're portrayed in a lot of shows is that they kind of fit into just a couple of different categories and that's it. And that he wanted to show like the mosaic of being a black man on this show. And I think that there's some real value to exploring those things. I I get the archetypal stuff to draw people in. Sure. To something. 
and then be like, oh, okay, I can easily identify that this is this and this is this and this is this. But then you, it's it's kind of imperative that you then stray away from that and you give dimensions to the characters that you create. If that makes any sense. Of course it does, because you want people to be able to identify with something. And I think so many times we are all guilty of wanting to put people into certain categories because that's how we intake people through movies or TV or whatever. And that's not what we are. I find myself incredibly lucky that Mitch is just like, do your thing. Mm -hmm. Or if like I say to Dan, hey, I, I think this is interesting. Do you want to talk about it? He's always like, yes. Rarely ever does he say no. And I think he doesn't even say no. He's usually like, well, how are we going to do this? And um, it, it, I think it goes back to people being bothered that they can't label you. Like, we are not necessarily what people need us to be. But that's how people are in general. Do you think a year from now we do this again? I mean, we could. I'd rather be celebrating good anniversaries. No, like I got high. I, my first day at the score was on January 4th. That's a good anniversary. Yes. Thank God it wasn't January 6th. <laughs> well, and and I had worked there already doing the Layla Wednesday bit for like, what, oh, three months at that point? People love that. It became a thing. But that's my point. That's funny. Like, that's ridiculous. I find it insane. Like, you know, that was a whole thing, too, by the way. Why? What? How much time are we at on this podcast? Like, four hours? We're, we're at almost an hour. Jeez, man. Um, so This I, is what our conversations are. Like whether we're whether it's a phone conversation or a conversation in a bar or a conversation in a car. This is what they are. This is how we... How the two of us communicate with yeah, each other. Yeah, and frankly, like, Lawrence has had to explain to me how to deal with trolls, and that's a thing. Um, I guess that means I'm giving them the power. No, I wouldn't I really say that. No. Everyone's, it's, I've talked with people about this in the industry before, and it's just like everyone has their own, I don't know if I can even really truly offer advice. I can only say these are the things that have worked for me. Also, like, sometimes I laugh because I put stuff out there because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, everybody needs to see this. I call it Don't Be That Guy. I decided to create a segment it's out of it. It's such a great Which segment. is usually what radio turns into. But then the people be like, you shouldn't even post this. Don't, don't, don't they're not worth them. your time. Like, you're still telling me what to do. <laughs> even when it's positive, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're also telling me what to do. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, not you personally, but like random people. I'm so probably me too. No, it's honestly. different. It's it's solicited discussion. Uh, the best is also like the score. Whenever I, whenever you find the sweet spot of like the exact same thing being said the exact opposite way next to each other on the text line, like you've let this interview go on way too long. It's boring. This is awesome. Thanks for letting this interview go on. <laughs> I love like, that. Those are always my favorite. And I mean, and just know that there's a silent majority. Oh yeah. You know that there's like, a, it shows. They don't they don't feel the need to because they're just enjoying everything. Like, I realized today that the same number keeps texting us saying we never talk about the White Sox. Correct. And it's like, 
I asked Jed Hoyer about trading with the Sox, and he talked about Rick Hahn on the freaking interview with Jed Hoyer. Yes. Like, nobody's ignoring these things. Yes, it's all about you. We decided what is going to make you random number that ends in a two digits I don't want to say in the air be bothered today. We're, We're gonna... totally doing our show for you. Just needle you. And yes, I should be fired because I didn't think through one trade. What? Stop. When you're doing this type of job where you I'm, have to react quickly, mistakes are made. So it's not you make them go, ah, oh, I messed that up. And then you move on. No, how dare I? How dare I get a job? And, you know, clearly I deserve, <laughs> like, no, especially the people saying this have never, ever done anything they would probably do differently at their jobs immediately. No, I clearly am not as perfect as all of them, and I definitely deserve to be fired over it. It's been lovely working with you. I'm going to succumb to them now. <laughs> I do. Leave. I do a lot of that too. You know that. Like people yes. are like, you don't belong in the air. I'm like, cool. Great person who got a Twitter account last month. Guess I better quit. They don't like it when I agree with them either. I'm not here. I'm not here for criticism from the Twitter classes of 2020 and 2021. I just love it because I'm like, cool, John with 19 <laughs> numbers. Guess I better quit. I'm not going to take that criticism. Um, before I let you go, what's the thing about the TV job? Since that's how this conversation started. What do you miss the most? I think just the uh, the knowledge of knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> That that sounded way worse, <laughs> but still accurate. It's accurate. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Because, like, this is not where you're supposed to learn on the job. It's just <laughs> not. For that reason, people are smart. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, waste their time every day. So, uh, you know, just, just knowing that, like, that was, that was a culminating point of a career that was 15 years in the making— to the point where I was so efficient in my writing or so efficient in how I got through a show that if you took something that I said out, it was information. Mm. That is That's that, a great tip. That is the sweet spot for me is my goal as a writer and even talking, ad-libbing, was to the point where if you took out something I said, it was information. That is not the case in radio. I have trouble finding my words constantly. Well, you're programming a, a bigger space, too, on radio than you're programming on television yeah and i just don't write things down anymore like i don't have the time i have a google doc that i use for show prep and take notes with sometimes i use just a real piece of paper but um you know it's yeah this is very much a learning thing for me and i know that people are like oh you should have it by now no no it took me years to figure out jobs in tv mm -hmm. years radio is i i think that you i think that you're a natural at radio so some of the times when you ask me stuff, I'm like, Layla, come on. Like, you got it. Like, No, but not necessarily no. But you, but you do. Like, I, I have a good ear for these things, and I feel very vindicated that the, the numbers bear out the things that I've been telling you. <laughs> like, that... I feel super vindicated. I'm like, no, Layla, you're really good at radio. Watch this. So, first of all, I think Jordan, Malley, and Jay Zawoski are doing a tremendous job. They are. And part of my job is to make sure that 
they are their best selves. And Ray. Ray Diaz is one of the best people walking in this building. I agree with you. And this is a huge building. So that's what I have to say about Ray. Like, beyond being talented, he's just... A warm human being. He's like... Yeah, he's just the best. Warm, thoughtful human being. But uh, going back to what you were asking about me being like a Persian woman in this space, I never thought that the success that we were having would illustrate that demographic. Ever. And it's fleeting. You know, like we don't know what the numbers are next month or sure. next week or or whatever. It's and nice to get wins, though. Yeah. And there's a reason I self-promote. It's because to everybody who says radio listenership is down and we don't get any ratings, like, that's not true. Will it always be that way? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, but, but there's also, I, I, don't, I hate to use this word. Don't insult it's everybody else's intelligence. There's a There's a misinformation about what it is that we get paid off of. Like if if oh yeah you know, people television completely it's so weird that people think that if they see like in feeder like the ratings that if we pop up in there that's great that means that we're doing an unbelievable job but our radio station doesn't judge us on six plus and what I mean by six plus is people who are six years old and above like what they're listening to now if your six year old has an opinion about the bears we will listen. <laughs> We care about adults 25 to 54 and specifically men 25 to 54. And we crush like every day part over the last six months has been in the top five in that demographic. And that's saying something. It's a thank you to everybody who listens. It is a big thank you. And that's what I mean by like the silent majority. Like they're the people are people are co-signing you by listening. Yeah, I It goes back to what I said about I was not prepared for the support I was going to receive when I got laid off. For for all the griping that I've done about Twitter over the past 6 months, like the support I received when I got laid off was I think I think I saw everybody's comments and if I didn't, I'm sorry, but that's it it will never not amaze me and just mean something like nice words mean something. And, um, yeah, to see like, once again, to see that support, I, I don't understand it. I appreciate it greatly to say the absolute least. Like it's not, it doesn't make any sense. Like it's just, it's really nice. Like, I had no idea. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect all the time. It means actually I'm going to be perfect the least amount of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's the craziest part about it. Well, thanks for this. I appreciate you, number one. I always tell you that if you have an idea for House of L. Which I, which I did today. That you should bring it to me and we could do it. I'm really happy that you brought it because I probably needed to talk about all of this stuff. Like I don't 
I usually don't seek people out to talk about a lot of this stuff, and per, I probably should. Per usual, I did most of the talking, didn't I? That's fine. It was very helpful for me to talk with you about this. because you're. I feel like we're in the lifeboat together on this a little bit. Indeed. Although I did picture when you were being, like, when you said nobody's beating down my door to do TV, I was like, wait, was it Lance? <laughs> <laughs> was it Lance and Alex? Like, resident linebackers, like, Lords! Like, that would have been amazing. Like, no. can't you picture a commercial with, like, that would be you'd stare hysterical. through the people and it's Lance and Alex. They're like, get up! Those those guys have been so wonderful. Like, I can't even explain that how it's weird because I spend so much time covering them. It's weird that, I, that they now think of me as a teammate. Yes! Yes! Isn't that the best part? It's that was the great. best part about working at NBC Sports Chicago is, like, you became Ozzy's teammate. Right. You became Alex and Lance's teammate. Kendall Gill's teammate. Teammate. Yes. And, like, that is genuine. And then you see, like, oh, I get it now. And and it's not just us on the air, by by the way. Like, the producers, like, the associate producers, everybody, like, we, we're teammates with them. Yes. And they, they embrace it. And they treat you like such. Yes. It's It's a very cool thing. Everybody's always like, oh, are they really like that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're really that great. That that I totally miss. I miss the people a ton. Yeah, that's the hard part. It's all kind of hard. I don't even know if I told you. I, I was just randomly having lunch with a friend of mine up north, and then I look over, and there's Bulldog. <laughs> Kevin Anderson. And then we just started talking about Star Wars. Yeah, I miss him. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Like when you build a a family and then you, through no fault of anyone's, like you have to end up like walking away from that family. It's a lot. It's and a lot. I, I know that you think that like, I know you're trying to end this, but do you remember the other thing that I remember a lot is, is this text that we got from our boss, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And it was... The day after everything got shut down was you, me, Jason Goff, Kendall, and various other people from the station coming in and out on an episode of Sports Talk Live. And Cap was in New York. That's right. He was at the that's was right. Was the A10? Yes, he was at the A10 tournament. So he was at the A10 tournament, and it was before it got shut down. I think Russ Dorsey was there with us too that day. By the way, Texan just rolled in there before it got shut down. Shut down. <laughs> Gotten shut down. Wow. <laughs> Maybe later in the tournament, there was a semifinal. Not a semifinal, a semifinal. So, I, I, I'm like, dang. At least I can catch him now. So, so, this is why this is hard. So, uh, we did that episode of Sports Talk Live. And... I remember Kevin sending us a text message saying, you know, thank you for being there for people. I truly believe we have the best roster of on-air people in the country. And it was never the same after that. So a couple of things I've learned. Take your broken heart, turn it into art. Some sort of creative process. (laughs) Something. Everybody has creativity in them. Somehow, even if it's writing drunk in your notes app, like I don't want to hear it, like something. Uh, Number two, 
sometimes the best way to get over something is to still lift the people you appreciate up. Number three, learn a new skill. You might not be good at it, but that doesn't mean people won't be supportive. Number four, appreciate those who were there for you. That's probably number one, really, but I'm just doing this off the cuff. Uh, I will always, 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 always be so grateful for that. And then, um, like, control things that you can control. Like, try to do something for you that's really actually self-care. Like, learn something new. Literally invest in yourself or just, like, know, make a checklist and if you for things that you want to do. And if you can start checking those off, then you've done something that day. That's what I learned. Oh, and therapy, which is also probably number one. Like, learn how your brain works. Because it will play tricks on you. And there's the Houston in you coming out. You just threw out a Ghetto Boys lyric for us. Uh Uh-huh. My mind's playing tricks on me. See, this is why you're the best. Same. What? what? (laughs) I'm like, semifinal? Shutting down? (laughs) My God. (laughs) At least I didn't say end it. All of it works. But does it? It's all part of the charm. Yeah. Just, just, just. We just were reduced to noises now. <laughs> Terry Bores would be very proud. That's what Terry would do. He'd yeah. make noises. Sometimes people say that. They're like, you're just Terry. And I'm like, this is bad. Yeah. They're, <laughs> like, the guy had a 25-year <laughs> career in the business. Or the ones who are always mad at me because I laugh too much. What the hell is wrong with you? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, we work in sports. It's supposed to be fun. Also, a laugh is an affirmation a lot of times. Like, it means that person and you were thinking, like, I can't. I can't. All like, right. Then we'll end it there. Yeah. Then that's. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm sorry that this turned into the private episode of Layla Heavy Talks. Hey, man. Layla Confessionals. This is going to be a big, big hit on House of Bell. Yeah. I uh, I don't know that we added anything here, but. Well, we'll find out. The people will let us know if we did. And if we didn't, that's fine. We at least helped each other. Who cares? You're stupid. <laughs> why? Why, <laughs> why did you post this? <laughs> I posted it because I found it interesting, obviously. Are we still doing this? God. (laughs) You are the best, and you're crazy. Uh, And I mean that in the most perfect way. Dude, how long is this podcast? It's it's over an hour. Like, by how much? Like, 59 minutes? No, no, no. It's only, like, an hour and 10 minutes. Really? But that's before I do the front and the back. (laughs) I'm sorry. Some great stuff there from Layla talking about all of this, like every part, every facet of like this transition that she's making from doing TV to doing radio. And I, I'm still, you know, I'm, I wouldn't, it's weird because I wouldn't consider myself a television person. Like I think almost everyone, even though I've been on TV for 10 years, I think everyone thinks of me as a radio person who happens to do television. And Layla has somehow gone from, well, I mean, you know, her background is actually in sports radio, but she spent the majority of her career in television, and now she's like a television person who happens to be a radio person. So we look at it from 
kind of funhouse mirror perspectives. But I love her talking about getting into the groove and figuring out where she stands and what issues are there to fight for and what issues that she leaves alone. And her her position is unique. And I don't mean just that she happens to be on from 9 until noon. I'm saying that it's rare that you see women of color hosting sports talk shows, especially if they aren't athletes. And so it's good to hear her perspective. And you heard me in there like kind of when it comes to trying to give her advice about some of this stuff, um, there's part of me that feels like it's inadequate because her experience is so different from mine. And I'm, I'm trying to give her the best advice that I can about the business. But then you realize that, you know, it's not the same thing. What I'm going through is not the same thing that she's going through. When I get an angry text or tweet or someone on the message board or someone in the chat, it's different for me than it is for her. So I try to do my best to help out when I can. If she asks, I, I try really hard to not give unsolicited advice. Um, I'm not saying that I don't. I, I do, but I try really hard not to do that. But I'm, I really appreciate that she is so raw in this and so open. It's one of the, like, what I got from her, like, her even thinking about doing, like, talking like that on House of L, like, to me is a real victory. And it's a real victory because this is what we're supposed like this is it this is it's supposed to be an inside look in the business and it doesn't get more inside than what happens when you lose a job in this industry that you love like what happens and how does it feel so I'm glad that she was able to share her story and that we were able to talk about it it's it's a bit of a taboo subject to tell you the God's honest truth. What happens? How do you digest all of it? I'll say this much. It's good for me to just talk about it. Golf and I have talked a lot about it too. But it's good to just talk about it. I, even if I don't necessarily come up with solutions, and I'm, I'm a solutions-oriented person. But it's nice that I'm, I'm glad that Layla kind of was kind of prodding me, like, hey, we should talk about this. Because every now and again you need to do that to reflect and try and figure some things out. So shout-out to her for... Coming through in the clutch yet again. 
radio superstar Layla Rahimi being on my podcast. I thank you for listening. I know there's a lot of content in here, but I hope that you enjoyed it and we kept it as real as we could. I'll tell you that. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. It is much appreciated. We'll have another episode of Sports Adjacent coming up later on this week. Maddie Lee will be back with her baseball podcast, and who knows, maybe I'll add more to this particular discussion. Again, thanks for your support. I mean it. Talk to you next time. Peace. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.